Welcome to the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 78. My name is Vic Bonacci, and it's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, I've missed doing these. I've missed them so much. Uh, I've been very busy making very short videos. I'm in a coffee house dressed as a barista. You know, I keep it light, and it's been my passion lately to, to do videos. So you may see fewer of these audio podcasts come out in the long form that they're in, and many, many more short form video clips sometimes with guests as we uh, as we have today on our podcast we've got two great guests and uh, we've got a video coming out also in the next uh, 24 hours with those two guests as well but uh, this is the full version the full interview is coming up so you can find those coffee house videos on our agile coffee youtube channel and the link to that will be on the show notes for this episode. That is at agilecoffee.com slash episode 78. I've been very busy. So in addition to uh, the videos, I've also gotten another job, full-time job doing coaching and consulting with Leading Agile, a very exciting company to be a part of. I'm happy and honored and thrilled to be working there and learning from and working with the best of the best. Uh, it's been so much fun. Um, in addition, I just recently finished presenting my workshop at the Global Scrum Gathering in Denver earlier this month, June 2022. The title of the workshop was Tell Your Scrum Master Story. It's all about how we could convey and communicate the value that it is we bring as a scrum master when we're looking for jobs, when we're networking, when we're trying to look for a promotion, when we're thinking about our, our future. And it was a story writing workshop as much as anything else. You could find more information on that at agilecoffee.com slash tell your story. And I've got photos and resources and a video of the workshop and all of that is up there as well. So hope you find some value in that. By the way, that was kind of a, a sequel to last year's uh, Scrum Master resume work that I did. I did a, a post for the Scrum Alliance website as well as um, our own Agile Coffee post, uh, a video, a podcast, etc. So that was a lot of fun. And this is kind of like part two, you could think of it. While I'm on this thread of how to improve, you know, the life and uh, career opportunities for for Scrum Masters, I'd like to also now announce that I am now teaching the advanced CSM. That's uh, ACSM for Advanced Certified Scrum Master Classes. I think of it as more of an agile facilitation class, but you get that ACSM certification as a bonus. That's the ACSM class. More information there could be found at agilecoffee.com slash events and look for those advanced classes. And the final announcement, yes, they've been queuing up for a while. That's what happens when you take time off of a podcast. This is the last announcement, though. We've got the Agile Open SoCal coming up in September this year. This is Agile Open SoCal 2022. So if you're listening in the summer of 2022... Put the dates September 19th and 20th on your calendar because we will be meeting again in person for a nice open space on the campus of UC Irvine. Once again, that's the location we've been at uh, before everything went virtual a few years ago. It's a wonderful space. I will be holding space again. We'll be using the open space rules, and it's a fun two-day event. A lot of great feedback we always get from this event. Uh, so if you're in Southern California, consider going over to eventbrite.com and searching up Agile Open SoCal 2022 
for the tickets there. You can also go to the show notes of this podcast and find the link there. We hope to see you at AOSC 2022. So, with all of our intro out of the way, I just want to cue up today's conversation. We've got Angela Johnson and Christian Antoine, both of the Collaborative Leadership Team. I was really happy that they joined me last summer (laughs) when we recorded it. We had a wide range of discussion coming up, and uh, you can find a video clip of this on the YouTube channel. So, without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy a fresh brew of Agile Coffee. Welcome to the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 78. Today, I am joined by Angela Johnson and Christian Antoine, both of the Collaborative Leadership Team. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Victor. So um, I realize you're both in Minnesota. Uh, where most it's of, just cooler. Where it's just cooler. <laughs> it's hot outside. <laughs> I'm happy that you're joining me today because uh, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> I've been hmm. I've been watching the videos that you put together, and I have to say I'm so surprised and delighted, and a little bit sad at myself for not having watched these sooner. You guys do a great job together. I love your chemistry. Thank you. I apologize on many occasions for Christian's <laughs> behavior, and let me just get that out there in advance for your listeners. I just I'm just going to apologize right now. One of the best clips that uh, our editor captured was the, the the lighting. And for those who don't know, Angela's my big sister in this business, and I treat her like that. <laughs> but uh, I was like, "Yeah, that lighting looks great. You can't see any of your gray hairs with that light." And she just like, oh. "I'm like honesty at no extra charge." <laughs> Daily. I um, I will put a link for listeners in the uh, show notes. Go to agilecoffee.com slash episode 78, and you can see links to everything I'm about to mention, namely the YouTube channel. Um, like I said, there's a lot of, there's so much content on there. Again, I was surprised. You've been doing it for quite a while. Now, at Collaborative Leadership Team, Christian, you've been, you guys have been working together for like eight years or more, but you've been doing videos for one, two, three years, maybe longer? Yes. <laughs> yes, all of the above. Have you used any videos for your classes even before like 2000 came around? Were you yeah. We actually uh, did a video day uh, back in 2016 where we just recorded a whole bunch of stuff. And there was one where Christian was very proudly wearing his Pabst Blue Ribbon shirt. PBR. PBR stands yeah. for product backlog refinement. Doesn't everybody know that? Yeah. I still cringe so, <laughs> when I watch that. I can't. So for the longest time, we would use that clip uh, as a precursor to talking about PBR. But we've we've refreshed a lot of the videos that we have out there now because a lot of them are more just us sitting around chewing the fat about stuff that we find interesting and we hope other people find interesting. But we've also been interviewing our students. So mm-hmm. we have a couple of interviews out there that are that are pretty awesome uh, with somebody we helped get a job during COVID. You know, she had been in the bar and restaurant industry, which was destroyed at the beginning of COVID, took our class, joined our user group. Boom. Got a job as a scrum master. Um, yeah, Andrea. So stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Andrea. Yeah, I watched mm-hmm. that one. In fact, I was going to ask a question about um, that. I think these days, especially she mentioned in that episode. So I'm going to refer any listeners to go back and, and find that episode. I'll have a link to it. But she mentioned that she had changed 
industries and she knows other people in the service industry, particularly who were hit hard in this crisis a year and a half ago or so. And they're trying to find ways to kind of not reinvent themselves, but find another approach to the workplace or to their career. I thought it was a magical episode. I just want to share that. Oh, so, thank you. So more, I, And that's the only one I think I've seen of, of your students, but I think what a great way to, you know, show something on video form, show students that prospective students, not even students, but people who might want to look at scrum mastering or agile or scrum in general, um, show them like real people who've made that switch. So yeah. kudos to you too. Yeah. We had a uh, woman in a CSM who said, I'm trying to do this, but I don't think it's going to work. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she goes, well, kind of an introvert. And I don't know that introverts can make good scrum masters. And I'm like, I know like three introverts off the top of my head who are amazing scrum masters and have even been through our ACSM. So I immediately got Trinity, uh, uh, Trinity Bass who's one of them on the podcast. And I'm like, okay, you self-identify as an introvert. Let's go. <laughs> so we, we uh, put a lot of good stuff out there to calm some people down. I had a so, conversation oh, on, with uh, Jennifer Huffaker. Uh, she is a school teacher and it was the first time that I had somebody in a class in a CSM that no, you know, background in terms of corporate America, it was all education based. And she had taken it upon herself to teach a class that she was, I forget what age they were, she probably mad at me for not remembering, but she took it upon herself and started to do this. So I was like intrigued. And, you know, when we did the closing circle of the class, I was just like, wow, she just, uh, she just gets it. And so that one's out there too. And I really like that one because on that podcast or video cast, or going to call it, She's like, you know, I, I, I'm thinking of starting a school. I'm like, holy cow, which reminds me, I got to circle back with Jennifer and be like, where are you at on that? <laughs> well, that's and can good, we help? <laughs> we want to help. Exactly. I'd love to help that too. Uh, so that's your videos. Also, you do the podcasting. You do audio, audio podcasting. Is that um, under the Ignite? Ignite Agility. Agility mm-hmm. brand. Yeah. Yep. We tend to do more videos now. Uh, we did podcast and kind of just started to do the videos now too, since we got set up. And we have the little recording studio that we've ran. Lucky we have ran. Ran knows the stuff to get. Yeah. Got this nice little stuff set up. And we just kind of come in and sit down and talk. And he just says, push this button, talk there, look there. (laughs) And when he has time, he takes audio only out of those videos and then throws them out there because Ignite Agility is, it's available on our site, but it's also on uh, Spotify, um, iTunes, all the usual places. All the places. Yeah. So you get the the, uh, the videos, then the audios linked to Ignite Agility podcast in the description as well. And then now, now you're in the world of print and we've got, I've got with me my copy <laughs> of the Scrum Master Files by first time author, first Angela time. Johnson. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, congratulations. And let's, let's kind of back up. Tell us about what the Scrum Master Files is and who's, who's going to be reading this book. It's really for scrum masters, but even if you're not a scrum master and you're just trying to figure out what the hell does a scrum master do or how can a scrum master add value or intervene or when should they butt out, um, it'll it'll help with those things. But it started with telling a lot of our stories because when people come to our classes, they love our stories. And Christian and I have always been very respectful of our clients because if people have said, do not dare mention our name or we'll sue your 
so he threw the pants off you. He's like, okay, not going to mention your name. Uh, but where we do have permission, we've named names. And so sometimes it gets really odd telling those stories. And so we started anonymizing them to the point where there's not even a personal pronoun in them. So then we started flipping it around to really putting the reader into the case study and into the story. And we just jokingly called it the Scrum Master Files. And for a long time, that was the name of our newsletter and whatnot as well. And um, it just kind of grew from there. But we, we use them a lot in our classes. I think you've been through my ACSM, CSPSM. So you've been exposed to some of those case studies. So we use them a lot as a teaching tool. So why not get them out there more broadly? Yeah, I was going to say that uh, the ACSM that I was with you a little about a year and a half ago, um, you had two or three of them that you used in that class and you had them spaced out. I think they maybe they were both in day one, but they weren't like right next to each other. So it was a, a nice way to integrate um, actual use cases, actual situations in with the um, with the material that we're I put in air quotes here teaching, although it's not really we as an instructor, you as the instructor weren't necessarily teaching the whole class, as you often say, these classes, especially the ACSM, the CSPSM, the bigger groups um, who show up, they teach each other, they learn from each other. And even in the book, um, and I've heard you both talking about it, how none of the um, scenarios have a right answer or even a single answer. And so the power comes in, uh, comes from scrum masters or coaches or others kind of sharing together from whatever level they're at, um, how they would approach this, right? Totally. Yeah. Getting people to see those coachable moments or those teachable moments um, and to pick up on those. That's really the intent is to sharpen your people skills. And what's fun for us is that, you know, when you do share those and you have different perspectives, talk about them. uh, We learn too. Uh, like those advanced classes, we learn too. We get different perspectives and somebody comes at it from a totally different angle. And you're like, never thought of that. Huh? And do you think you've seen it all or you think you've, you know, had all the different angles you could see. And then somebody comes along with another one. So it's, it's fun for that too. Yeah. The, the more experience you have as a, as a coach, as a person in an organization who's helping change, the more you realize, yeah, I real, there are no right answers. It's what's right at the time and what's best yeah. at the time and all that. Um, anything else you want to share about the book? I mean, I'd love to ask about kind of the process of writing the book as well. And sure. Yeah. Fire away. I would like to share first that we're very proud of Angela. Uh, you know, when I joined her, she took a big step, took a big step of risk to involve me. I would say risk is the right word in hiring you. Yeah. Yeah. Liability maybe is a better (laughs) word, but, uh, you know, from the get go, she was, you know, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? And she's like, and then in the middle of a pandemic, while we're trying to keep alive, what does she do? She makes a book. I'm like, Man, I don't know anybody who works harder, but we're proud of her. Oh, thank you. It was a long time in the making, though, so it wasn't like I just whipped it up. Let me go back to the the book itself. Are you using it with the uh, classes at all? The case studies have been used for a while in the ACSM, so that's why we like to say that it's been road tested, you know, because we've had countless students work through those scenarios, and that's how I was able to perfect them because I can point out if your tendency was to latch on to this after reading it, 
I'm going to encourage you to go deeper because that wasn't really about the mechanics of a daily scrum. It was really about a lack of courage or a lack of transparency, you know, so it's really enabled us to be able to put more content, more weight behind those. But it was definitely a progressive elaboration in creating the book because where it was intended to start and where it wound up were two completely different things. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that in terms of the process. How did you get the idea then that it should be a book as opposed to, I don't know, parts of classes or a newsletter or anything like that? Students. Over yeah. the years, people have just been like, why isn't this in, the, in a book I can have? Why, you know, where's the book that, about this that I can have? And it's like, Oh, maybe, maybe we there's something don't there. Have a yeah, we don't have a book. We don't have one of those. Well, you should write one. Oh, okay. Let me get on that. You know, and um, at first it was all about trying to just tell one client story. And I even flew there and I'm trying to remember what year it was. It was a really long time ago. I know my son wasn't born yet and he's nine. So it was over nine years ago that I, I made a little road trip to Miami, Florida to sit down with a client and say, can I tell our story? Can, are you guys okay with this? Is, you know, and I interviewed people kind of a, you haven't worked with me for 13 months. Where are things now? Yeah. What just kept weighing on me in those conversations? Yeah. It's like, this isn't my story. Yeah. This is their story. And um, I might have lit a fuse or my, I may have given them some education or nudged them in a direction, but the choices they made are their own. The outcomes were, were theirs. And who the hell do I think I am in telling this story? And I was having a conversation with one of them and I even nudged him on LinkedIn recently. Um, Abe, hi, Abe. Um, we were sitting in his office and we were talking about somebody who didn't make it in the transformation. And that happens, right? I mean, if you're going to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. And it was somebody who just, you know, agile's never going to work. Waterfall's the answer and screw all of you. And that person didn't keep their job during the transformation. And he's like, I really want to tell those stories, but people might be able to figure out, you know, who it is. So let's, let's really anonymize them. And that's where the anonymous quality started. Cause I, as I was thinking about, this isn't really my story to tell. Well, wait a minute, let's make these anonymous. And then I went down this weird rabbit hole of maybe it should be about why scrum doesn't work. You know, mm -hmm. like, Hey, here's what makes it go wrong and how you can make it go right. And I even went so far as to have somebody help me like a ghostwriter. And that uh, was not a, a, a good process for me. So I'm not saying it's a bad process for everyone. It wasn't a great process for me because it didn't sound like me. It sounded like somebody else. And I'm like, I would never talk like that. I would yeah. never say that, you know. And then even trying to explain the scrummy terms to somebody who doesn't work in scrum at all. Oh, that was that was not fun. Yeah. But you said that you had some mentors along the way. Like, mm -hmm. I think you had said you'd reached out to Pollyanna and mm -hmm. Esther. And is that right? Absolutely. So Esther Derby. The process of then maybe collaborating, even though it was a solo effort for the most part. Like, yeah, talk about that. Yep. Um, so Esther obviously has written a couple of different books. And I reached out to her and said, would you 
be open to writing the forward. And she's like, yep, no problem. And she's such a master storyteller. Of course, her forward is a, it starts with a great story. And she's been on a guest on our user group a couple of times. Uh, Pollyanna Pixton has written a couple of books and we really talked about the process of it. And she's like, okay, here's what every single chapter needs to have. Like every single chapter needs to have a story and every single chapter needs to have a nugget that people can come away with. And, you know, and then there's me furiously taking notes going, Ooh, that chapter sucks that. Ooh, I gotta go back and do this. You know? So they uh, both provided inspiration and then graciously uh, provided forwards too, which I'm so thankful for. Esther is the reason why I'm working with Angela. Really? What? So Esther, Tell us more. Uh, <laughs> Esther's from Minnesota, and I had uh, was working as a contractor at the time. I was a BA, and she came and did a facilitation class at our consulting firm, and that's where I got introduced to Esther. And then fast forward a couple of years, uh, I'm at an Agile conference in Las Vegas, and I'm looking at possible work workshops to go to all day workshop on retrospectives taught by esther derby hey esther i know esther and so you know went to that did not know she was the first woman cst did not know she might cone and uh and uh schwaber started the scrum <laughs> the, the scrum alliance and then you know introduced myself at that class whatever hung out chit-chatted some might say i stalked her i don't know either way uh, he does that he meets she, somebody once and then he thinks they're best friends for life i know we were best friends we're buds but then angela <laughs> was looking for someone to come talk about retrospectives at her meetup and it really was a pmi it was a pmi night and she had an agile wing or an agile group and she had contacted Esther and Esther's like, I'm kind of burned out on retrospectives. And she like, there's this guy who worked at said company. This guy who stalks me. <laughs> she didn't say that. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But uh, she was talking about me. I thought she was talking about somebody else at my company. But that's how I got introduced to Angela. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> well, I do have to say, I think my first words upon meeting Angela face to face were this Angela right here was, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> Did, she Did. Run? Did she run? Did she run? It was in the Just hallway was, at a hotel in, a hall in hotel. San Diego. <laughs> it was crazy. It was funny. So I kind of felt like that, that crazy stalker guy, too. Um that's a wonderful story. Yours, not necessarily mine, although I'll always cherish uh, meeting Angela in the, in the hotel there. Um, but, you know, as Angela was telling that, you know, it's their story. And so I'm just thinking of things that we're talking about and, you know, mm -hmm. sales calls and all that. And that's what we tell people. You're you're going to be the ones that change you. Yeah. You know, we, we're yeah. not coming in to fix your company. We're not coming in to fix you. We're coming in to help you hopefully learn how to work better together so that you can align on a problem to solve. Yeah. And you're going to be the ones that decide what you try, how long you're going to try it and whether it's working or not. And hopefully that continues. And to her credit, to our credit, we don't do the work. They do it just like a good mm -hmm. scrum master. A good scrum master comes in and makes it visible. They don't change it. They make the process visible. And if, if the team doesn't like their process, they decide what they're going to try. I can't as a scrum master say, yeah, we reduced cycle time by 20%. They reduced it. I mean, right. visible. Right. So would you say that you're sick of scrum? 
I yeah. am. <laughs> now that's a loaded question it, it, for it, our listeners. Clear, that's actually the next topic that we've got, and I kind of wanted to try to make a, a nice transition there. But uh, to, to be fair, please. Uh, and and please, we, you know, the one they they say is tell people how to interpret what you're about to say. We're yeah. not sick of of the work. We're not sick of doing Scrum. We're sick of the talk. We're sick of talk agile Scrum. Yeah. It just it's become such a bastardized term and it's not anything like it's supposed to be we just want to solve problems and i had a uh, client manager i asked him what's what would you say is the status of your culture right now Mm. of the people on the ground and he took a second and he said we are change fatigued Mm -hmm. and hungry to matter and that is just stop yeah i'm like that is right most people want to matter. Most people want to do something that matters. We don't want to be cogs in a wheel. I know I'm a part of this gear, part of this big transmission, even though I don't know where the machine's going, I help keep it going. That's not enough. And so that's what I've, when we say we're, we're tired of talking about Scrum and Agile, we just want to go do. We want to solve yeah, problems. I, I guess I would say I'm, I'm tired of fake Scrum and Agile. I mean, these things are, are really simple. And so what it what it boils down to, I think, <clears throat> where we're at, because it certainly isn't new. I mean, 1993, first scrum team, you know, people are like, oh, this is all so new. Uh, no, it's new to you. It's it's not new. It's new to you. And I saw a tweet from somebody I never agree with um, anyway, and I didn't agree with his tweet saying uh, scrum was intended for early adopters. And we're clearly beyond that and into laggards. So it no longer applies. And it's like, what a load of crap in that tweet. Because first of all, you're saying that was the intention. I don't think so. It's like, hey, it's a different way of doing work. It's a choice. So are we past innovators, early adopters, early majority? Hell yeah. Yeah, I always say we're in laggard, Bill. But you can make a change at any point in your life. So to say somebody is incapable of choosing change, that goes against the human condition. You know, so could somebody choose to use Scrum? Yeah, it just requires them actually making change. And so I'm just sick of people who want to put lipstick on the pig. I'm just so sick of, oh, Scrum, Scrummy Scrum. We stood up for 15 minutes. We're agile. It's like... No, there's a lot more change involved. And if you're interested in that, that's what gets us out of bed in the morning is helping you help yourself. But all the lipstick? No. Second One of your videos um, the, with the two of you, I think it was Christian who said, um, how do managers get into that position of manager? Usually they're promoted because they built upon some success that they did. But the higher they go up this, up the hierarchy, up the ladder, now I, I think the, you said something to the effect of their um, their successes. Well, what made it successful wasn't as it was more vague. Now they couldn't they couldn't yeah. really identify a specific. It's not their success; they, it's the team success, right? Correct, right? Yep. And, and so, in doing so, that, that might lead to maybe some of the more senior people in an organization just kind of picking at agile because it's a great thing they read about in a report, a Gartner report or something. Mm-hmm. It's a checkbox, right? I, I, I led a change initiative, right? Hey, we went from waterfall to agile checkbox. Now I can be promoted again. And, um, you know, going back to talking about Lagerville and all that, when I was at the, uh, I think it's 2015, 2016, whenever I got my CST, Tom Milner was the one that did the keynote. Miller. He that question. Milner, so, sorry. So he Tom said Miller. That, uh, Miller. <laughs> what did I say? Tom Miller. Not that. 
I like, I like Donnie. He's a good guy. Donnie's a nice guy. He did ask that question. You know, it was 2015. You know, he said 1993 scrum guide, 1995, 22 years old scrum is, you know, who do you think we have laggers? Who feels you have laggers? And a lot of people raise their hand and he said, well, how long does it take for culture to change at a company? And depending on who you read, they say 25, sometimes 40 years. And he's like, if you look at the lens of culture change, we're, we're still an infant in terms of scrum. And he's like, that's what I challenge you to look at it through. It's not technology, not, you know, it's been around 20 years. It's how long does it take to change culture? Deep thoughts. Yeah. Tom yeah, for Moore. sure. So um, tying it back to the words that we use then, and if we're saying we're sick of scrum, then it, then what I'm hearing you say is it, it takes, did you say 25 years or something for the culture to change, but yeah. at a minimum, but we're training with these specific words, these tactical ways to look at, I know I'm talking about the mindset, the being and the doing of scrum and yep. agile, but we're not going to see the actual change for decades on then. Perhaps. Well, and I think, you know, as three people in the virtual room here who offer mm -hmm. certifications, uh, part of the blame is certifications because in the certification training, in order for somebody to pass their test or to check that box, they have to learn all the vocabulary. They have to learn all the scrummy words. The challenge is they get to their company and in their enthusiasm or in their nervousness, they throw up scrummy words all over everybody. And all they do is make the people that they're working with defensive and confused. Yeah. So I always try to tell the students, yes, my job is to teach you these mechanics. Yes, my job is to teach you this vocabulary. However, this is so much easier to do than to talk about. So use plain old words that aren't going to alienate your coworkers because you can do the translation in your head. You know, and an example I give people all the time is I say, do you think they're going to understand the difference between a product owner and a scrum master? Uh, no. Whose job is it to teach? The scrum masters. Okay, so when you get in a room with stakeholders and the product owner, let's say Christian's my product owner here, you don't say, Christian's a product owner and he needs your help refining the product backlog today, go. You don't say that because they're going to go like, what? You say, Christian has been chosen by our company to lead this discussion today. He needs your questions. He needs your ideas. Why am I here? I'm here to make sure you all get a chance to be heard and to keep the conversation at 30,000 feet and to time box it. Go ahead, Christian. Tell them what you got so far. Didn't say the word scrum once. Yeah. So much that's, common that's sense. That's probably right there. We're tired of that. You know, and it's right. People get nervous or they get too excited and they come back and they don't know what to do or how to get it going. And that's exactly it. Just talk about the work. Talk about mm -hmm. can you get alignment on the problems that, you know, if you went around and talked to your managers and leaders at your company and ask them for their top three challenges that right now are the top three challenges. First of all, if you have challenges, that means you're alive as a company. That's good. Yeah. Uh, if you have zero challenges, you're dead. So, okay, we can solve those problems real quick. Just shut down the company. But if you're uh, able to go around and talk to those folks, do you think you're going to get the same three problems? Do you see, right. do you see a, a consistency or, or not? And there's a great place to start. You know, can we get alignment on the top three and, do we think we can work through those without changing anything? Right. And if not, then maybe we should look at trying something different. 
There's your lead. And I always ask the class, who would you want to have come back for class? The person who went to their certified scrum master and came back with a checklist of all the things that they heard were doing wrong and got to change. Doing it wrong, doing it wrong. Here's all the thing the instructor said, and we're not doing them, so we're doing them wrong. Or would you rather have the person that came back from class that learned and said, hey, uh, I got a list of things, but let's let's go. And as those things come up, they stop and go, why are we doing it this way? What problem are we trying to solve? Yeah. And if we're solving it, they're not going to say anything more is what I tell them. You wouldn't say anything more because they're solving the problem. Now, if they're not, well, hey, I learned something at a class one time. This was a technique I heard. If we're not solving the problem, is this a technique you'd be open to trying? You're like the other one, you know, not the yeah. one that comes back and says you're wrong. Oh, because that just makes people defensive. Oh, look who knows so much coming back from training. Yeah, we've been somebody, doing it somebody all Somebody got scrum religion, you know? Yeah. yeah. And how do you address then the, the, I'm sure that in your classes, your scrum master or maybe advanced scrum master classes, you've got someone who's like a real true, like by the book scrum master, like by the book written as, as we're saying, that's maybe not always the best way to deal with people. Um, What, what do you talk to, how do you address them in the class? How do you tell them to get out of that mindset? I don't get those people. I wish I had those people, Vic. I get the people who can't spell scrum. (laughs) (laughs) Well, aren't they the same? Well, maybe not. They're the same. No, I get, I get a lot of people um, who speak project management. And so they think they're doing by the book scrum, but it's really what they learned at the water cooler or something that they heard from somebody, but it, it deviates greatly from the scrum guide. Cause anymore, that's what I do for breakout stuff. It's like read page six, third paragraph of the scrum guide, about the product owner, what surprised you? What'd you learn? Oh my God. We had no idea. There's full time. Well, you told me you read it though. So why were you surprised? So hmm. yeah, I think there's just so much, uh, misinformation and fake scrum out there. I rarely get anybody who's by the book scrum. I've I've maybe had one or two, uh, but I I do talk about my failings in our, as I like to say, my learnings. But when you get excited about this way of work, people do get excited. It can reinvigorate people. It can wake them back up. And I try to caution them against that. I'm like, don't do what I did. Don't make a list of everything you heard me say that we don't do is wrong. Don't go back and make decisions or, or don't come to this class with a checklist of all the problems you're trying to solve here by yourself, away from the people who are going to be impacted yeah. by it. Go back and talk to them, right? They yeah. might even have a better idea. And, you know, if somebody is really fired up, I'd ask them, do you feel like you're you're having resistance? Are you meeting with re- resistance? And they're usually, yes. And it's yeah. because you're pushing. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of my take on it. As well. I asked the question because in the last class that I I had, um, there was one gentleman who had been a project manager and then he started working with scrum teams and he despised it. And then he became a scrum master and and now he loves it. But again, he's very he wanted to know the right name of every everything that's going on, which is fine. But yeah, then it was like, go back and talk to your teams, talk, (laughs) get to know each other. What are the what are the goals? What are the. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Let's move on. We've got another topic here, uh, going agile. And that's in quotes. When when an organization says they're going to go agile. um, Just start sprinting. Right. Where where are they going? And I'm sorry, I I, I quoted you there. uh, (laughs) You said you're like, when someone says they're going agile, you first ask, okay, where are you going? (laughs) Where is that? 
Yep. Just start sprinting. I was like, you're running. Or, or let's, I like to say, okay, let's say it's a year from now. We're agile. It's not a destination. What, what does that look like? What's different? Yeah. And then start to work backwards from that to go, what are you trying to do? So you're imagining the future with them. And, and then I guess you're trying to work into like ways of, if they're into metrics, like ways of measuring, how is that then right. going to be realized? You know, I want better transparency. Well, how are you not getting transparency? Would that no longer be happening? Would you be getting transparency a different way? Is there a specific way you want transparent? Then you start to talk through, how do you know you're more versus less? Yeah, the emphasis on metrics is is fraught with error because if you didn't take the measurement before you started running, you have no measurement. You have no right. baseline. Yeah. The other thing is that what gets measured gets manipulated. Yep. <laughs> so if it's not something that people are bought into or that is transparent at the beginning, then you got you got trouble. So people who say we're going agile just start sprinting and then two, three, four sprints into it for those leaders to say, well, show us some sort of metrics. That's a tail wagging the dog. Your yep. leaders should have said, here's why we're doing this. Here's what we hope to accomplish. Here's how we're going to measure it before we start running. Otherwise, you're in the race to nowhere. It's just the race to nowhere. You're sprinting. And, and <laughs> you can say the same thing about the roles in Scrum. How do you show your good product owner, Vic? Six months from now, how do I know you're a good product owner for us? Well, product owners should probably get a baseline of value because what are product owners supposed to do? They're supposed to maximize value. It says right in the scrum guide. And so what's the value that it was when you became product owner and who should you work with? Stakeholders? Yeah. Are you on a save money cycle? Are you on a make money cycle? Are you, I mean, what, what is it that you're looking at as leaders or the people who bring work to this product owner to go, these services you provide save us this amount of money or, you know, how do you know you're a good product owner other than Vic's really great. He's just a really good guy to work with. That's great. That's a big part of it. But also for companies, we want to know if you're increasing value and the right value. Same thing for a scrum master. How do you know you're a good scrum master? Where's your continuous improvement? Where's your baseline to say we took a self-assessment as a team. This is where we think we should start for continuous improvement. And this is where we're at on those things. I don't know how else to show you're a good coach or a good product owner or to show progress towards agility. And there's people who don't understand the scrum master role, but then you ask them, what sports do you watch? They easily rattle off three or four of them, you know, American game of football. Tell me a team that's made it to the Super Bowl with no coach. Oh, I think I get your point. Or, oh, a scrum master can have multiple teams. Oh, so the coach of the Minnesota Vikings can go coach the Packers next game, same season. Just They're split across two teams. They're going to share a coach. It's so, and if a team doesn't perform, they fire the coach. So the scrum master is responsible for the performance of the team, not from a metrics standpoint. That's product owner's job to say, you know, are we on time and scope and budget? What all, all those happy things. But it's, are we meeting our goals and objectives? Are we exceeding our goals and objectives? How are we doing as a team? And then there's two thirds of the Scrum Master's job, which is the product owner and the organization. Because a lot of times people just focus on the developers and then they forget. There's two thirds of the job as described in the Scrum Guide has nothing to do with the developers. It's the agility of the organization and coaching up on the org- on this Scrum team's behalf, but also the product owner. Vic, how do you handle the question of, uh, can I be a scrum master and a product owner? How do you handle that one? <laughs> I say, can you? Well, 
Let's sure. give it a try. Uh, I, I usually um, use the example. A lot of people think of something like this, where when you were a, a, a child and, and you wanted something, you'd ask one parent and they would say no. And then you ask the other parents. <laughs> That's a and great of course, idea. You know, um, so it, it's difficult when when you're trying to be both roles, uh, when you see the value in both roles and you're actually playing both roles, it's you can't do it. I don't think you can, I can't anyway, see in my mind how to do it. You'd have to be very mature in practicing, you know, scrum and agile to be able to pull something like that off. Otherwise, you know, one's going to fail. And that one that fails is usually the one that's after the process improvements. And it's the, the product side that gets like, oh, you got to work faster. And then well, the product owner is all authority, 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 and the scrum right. master is no authority. So, so if you're I trying always to do say, both, then, yeah. yeah, you could be or, the most mature person on the planet, but you'd probably need two full-time paychecks and a prescription for a certain medication because yes. that's a condition that that puts a lot. That can put an individual <laughs> in a tough spot, you know. Yeah. And then, like Angela said, you know, two-thirds of your job is coaching developers or developers, product owner, organization. Well, if you're also the product owner, you're coaching yourself. Christian goes and stands in front of the mirror and he goes, you're doing a great job at everything, buddy. Keep it up. Doing a great job. <laughs> no, what I say is, are you coaching yourself? How was that one-on-one? Not so good. I was late. I didn't make it. <laughs> I mean, even at home, like in, in putting together my own videos and, and whatever I'm doing um, as, as work from home these days, uh, my wife is my product owner, or rather I should say, I mean, let me say that again. My wife is my scrum master. I'm the product owner, but I'm also the team. <laughs> I'm doing the work and I'm also identifying what the work is. But I, I need think you someone. had it right the first time. <laughs> Your wife's the product owner. You yeah. just don't know it. For, for certain <laughs> things, the product owner. For my business, then maybe there you it's go. maybe there my you ideas go. are the product owner. Good clarification, sir. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But I need, well I need that extra, that additional person who's outside the process yes. to help me keep track, help me ask myself three important questions, do that. Yep. Second loop learning type of thing. Um, you yeah, can be too close to the work. You can be too close to the work to where you lose that sight, that 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 oversight, not oversight, but that perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, the reason I put on the card uh, with going agile, and then I remember in the conversation you had, you had talked about what transformations are, and then you, someone mentioned two types of change and. Uh, um, structural change and behavioral change. Yep. Was there anything involved in those two types of change that you remind new scrum masters about uh, in terms of their responsibilities or what they're up against? Constantly. Um, Cause the structural change sometimes involves leaders in the organization, but that's the scrum master's responsibility too to coach up in the organization. If there's an impediment structurally, but uh, chip and Dan Heath, in their book, Switch, talk about how when the structure change is made, so when the path is shaped, the behavior change comes along for free. So when you're talking about component teams where you've got skills completely segregated from each other, so you've got handoffs and waste, and then the organization tries to tell you, oh, but you're going to use Scrum. Well, now we just set up all these handoffs, all these dependencies, all these impediments. We're not going to get cross-functional behavior. You're not going to get that behavioral change because the structure change is the impediment. So you do need to have both. But the structure changes, to me, are easier to see 
All right, they're big up front, big and visible. Mm-hmm. Scrum Master tackles those. Sometimes the behavior changes, even if you've made the structural changes, aren't as easy to see. You know, the, the person that's kind of sabotaging, you know, the team or they're in a I don't want to mode. They only want to do one thing. Well, now a Scrum Master's got to ask really overt questions about that. You know, are you telling me that you don't know how yet, but you're willing to learn? Or are you telling me you don't want to? Because I got to know, you know, do I have a people problem here or do I have a a knowledge acquisition problem? Because if the people problem persists, still the scrum master's responsibility to escalate, you know, for the removal of that impediment if they exhaust all their coaching skills. So they've got to be a little bit of a behaviorist to understand what they're really running up against. You know, is it a structural change or behavioral change? Yeah, that reminds me, you had uh, done a presentation some years ago about the armchair psych. Psychologist, is that what the mm-hmm. scrum master has to scrum be? Scrum master or armchair psychologist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's the scrum alliance and, site, isn't it? It's on the scrum alliance site. Um, I rebooted it for a couple of different groups during 2020. That I know they posted it out on LinkedIn too, but there is a recording of it on the scrum alliance website. Yeah. So link to that in the show notes here at agilecoffee.com slash episode 78 in telling that um, and giving that answer, Angela, that it also reminded me of another story I heard. I think Christian was saying on a video about um, kind of the role of a coach. And when you're working with the team, you have to get to know the team members and how they like to be coached. Yeah. Um, kind something of, I never it, did. <laughs> it's something right. I Could, wish I had. So I, would, I share that constantly in, in any class, whether it's CSM or ECSM, is coaches should know their players. Uh, you should get with every person on those developers and your product owner and see what their history is with Scrum. You know, what, what do they understand about Scrum or what their experience has been with Scrum? Because let's face it, some people have been places where Scrum didn't work. Now, maybe it was because they weren't willing to change whatever reason, and they might have a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. And getting to know that. And seeing where they stand on that and then asking how they are, what their understanding of the role of Scrum Master is, and then sharing your understanding of what you believe your role of Scrum Master is so that they understand where you're coming from. And then asking if they're open to coaching in Scrum from you as the Scrum Master, because you need to know if they're coachable and they might say they're not, and that's fine. And you're probably going to thank them. But at the same time, I'd like to remind them that I'm the process coach. And if something's going wrong with this process and you're involved, how do I let you know? Which is a coaching question. Uh-huh. On the negative and, side, I'm not open to coaching from you. Fair enough. But if you're hurting this process, are you open to hearing about it? That's a coaching question. So people you want like, in the moment, after the moment, end of day. And if they're like, no, I'm open for coaching, please. Still, I want to know what's your coaching preference. And the other thing that I have to remember and remind myself constantly is even if someone's giving me the green light to coach them in the moment or after the moment, you still never coach unless you first ask permission. Are you open to coaching right now? Because it doesn't matter if they've said yes in the past. They may not be at that moment. Even then, how do they want to receive it? Because Christian and a couple of other people on our own team are the kind of people who like to be compliment sandwiched. 
They like to hear I something. No, I don't. Good. You need to hear something good. You always need Every to hear something then. good. Every now and then. He needs to hear something good. And then you can give him the thing. And then you got to follow <laughs> up with something good. You got to got to give him that like little compliment sandwich. sandwich. I don't like praise sandwiches. You do. But what can happen is like, hey, you remember how you said you're, you're open to feedback? Yeah. Now's that time. Are you open yeah. to feedback? Then I'm like, okay, so I'm not working. Let me know. That's the preface I want. That's what I hope for, right? But then there's people like me and another member of our team who are like, just tell me, just tell me, don't, don't give me any sort of big lead up or any of that nonsense. Yeah. Just tell me, I don't need a code word. I don't need a, you know, warning. Just tell me. What does that look like? The, the coach that you're describing now, that wasn't the coach when I first became a coach. I wasn't that aware of knowing. And you, you even said, Christian, you know, you haven't been doing, you hadn't been doing that, but now you kind of lead yourself to. What does that look like in kind of the overall progression of first time scrum master, like advanced scrum master, coach who knows that he or she doesn't know everything, but they're pretty much at the top of their game now. Well, I think um, and I were both talking about this. You know, we, we all fall prey to that. We all fall that trap. You know, we get excited about this new way of work. We see something that gets us excited about work again, and it can really be a viable, different way of doing something, and it can work. You got to believe in it. You got to want to make it work. But we can all fall prey that, you know, you fall into the trap of, well, I know all the terms and I know the history of Scrum. And, you know, I've talked to some of the the original members and found and you get into that groove and then you get into this right or wrong groove. And that's and then like what we said at the beginning of this, there really is no right or wrong. It just is what it is. And did we pick the right thing for us? And then hopefully as you grow with the thumps and the lumps and the learnings that you start to back away from, it's not about right or wrong. It's not about knowing everything. And as a coach, you don't have to know everything. You have to observe. You have to reflect back. You have to be listening to the group, listening to the system, and and trying to help them see for themselves their blind spots. Because it's really easy as a new coach to come in and see everybody's blind spots and point them out and think you're coaching. But when you point people's blind spots out, that doesn't really tend to lead to change. But if you can somehow get them to see something they're doing to themselves and they realize it, and they start to go, why do we do that? That's when you know you're probably going to see change come. Well, when you're new, um, and I still see this all the time with newer scrum masters, and even, you know, you mentioned <clears throat> ACSM, CSP level, some of them coming through those programs still haven't had their aha moment yet. They still have their waterfall hangover, and they're still in problem-solving mode. I'm going to tell you all the answers. No, I'm the scrum master, so I need to micromanage the daily scrum. It's like, no, 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 no. I mean, they, they still are acting like project managers in many ways or or they don't understand what coaching means. You know, and coaching is really powerful questions. Like you said, you know, it's just that there's a coaching question, right? So helping people help themselves. But there's a certain element of if they haven't gotten that knocked out of them yet it'll happen because it happens to all of us but if you think about telling your kid don't tell don't touch the stove it's hot don't touch the stove it's hot well what do they mean you learn what hot means so i think newer coaches need to be very very mindful of their own ego it's like am i am i putting myself in this am i trying to solve their problem am i trying to make it all about me or am i realizing it's not about me it's about them. 
and I should be asking lots of questions and not making all these assumptions. So it, it, it just takes a while. That's the problem is it just takes time. And I can't say I was any different. I'd go back in time and kick my own ass, but I don't <laughs> I'd own do a too. DeLorean. I'd go back in time and kick her ass too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just put it out there. I you do just the same wait. thing. I, 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 would, cringe. I, would. I cringe when I think of what I used to do when I was <clears throat> like, oh, why did I not see what I was doing? Mm-hmm. I think we all do. <laughs> I know I do, <laughs> for sure. And, and you can tell people that it's like it's it's like she just said you, you you can say it as much as you want, but you know it's it's hard to get people in a spot to to be frank, mm. be dumb enough to listen to us that have made the mistakes. But it's like if you have kids, you gotta let the kids sometimes go and, and learn for themselves because no matter how hard you try to prevent or help, they gotta go through it, which you know also goes into. The, uh, the idea that we can somehow take somebody else's destination in their agile journey, like, look at where they're at. We're going to do what they did. We're going to do the Spotify model, Christian. See our squads. Right. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I was listening to, uh, uh, I forget where it was, but it was Snowden. David Snowden was on. He's like, if I hear one more person say they're going to do the Spotify model, I swear I'm going to throttle. <laughs> like, and he's Welch. So the words come out so much better when he said uh, so much better. But he said it on that. He's like, you cannot subplant your own journey for somebody else's destination. You have to take the journey yourself. And yes, you can learn, but you still got to do it. And, and that's empiricism, isn't it? You can plan all you want, but until you're on the experiment, you're still not going to have as much data for what it did for you. I always do the Eisenhower quote. You know, I always do the plan is useless. Um, you know, the art of planning is indispensable. And somebody in my class went, no, you got to start using the Mike Tyson quote. And I'm like, what's the Mike Tyson quote? And she goes, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> I use both. <laughs> right? All right. Well, uh, I'm going to let the both of you two go back then. I want to thank you for joining me today. Before I uh, wrap this up, though, just a, a couple of questions. How do you want people to find you and, and the organization? What's the best way? Co-leadteam.com. Actually, we want collaborative, collaborative leadership, leadership team.com. Team. We, we thought we'd be smart and truncated, but someone's like, no, you got to use all the syllables. Collaborative leadership team. You don't have to. Either way, it gets to us. And from there, <clears throat> uh, people can find all your socials, the, the YouTube channel, the podcast mm-hmm. and everything there. We'll have links Absolutely. as well on agilecoffee.com slash episode 78. And the book, where can people find the book? Is it all at, at all the best bookstores in the world now or the scrum master files has its own website so it's pretty awesome to go there as the as the source to find it big order button is it just the it's the scrummasterfiles.com yep we also have scrummasterfiles.com which redirects so either way you get to us yeah Well, Christian, Angela, I want to thank both of you for joining me here on the Agile Coffee Podcast once again. And listeners, if you have any questions for me, Christian, or Angela, please reach out to us. Our contact information is on the description page for this episode. So until next time, I'm here to remind you to enjoy your coffee with friends.